Hey, hello everyone. How are you guys doing? And we're back after a long break. Uh, we took a couple of weeks off, uh, but we're back now for episode number 58 of Conversations on India. And uh, Panda is here, so let me invite. I mean, choosing uh, topics for today was not really that hard. There are not too many things going on, uh, which are of much more importance than the conflict uh, between Russia and Ukraine. So that is going to be a huge focus. Hey, hi, Panda. How are you doing? Hello. Awesome, awesome, awesome. All right. So uh, let's just uh, give it a minute for uh, Krishna to join us. Okay, he's here. Let's invite him. All right. So, uh, hello, hello, hello. Welcome. So, uh, welcome to everyone who is joining us now. Uh, we're just going to get started in a minute. All right. Hey, hi, Krishna. Hello. Hello. All right. Awesome. So, uh, without further ado, let's get started. We're recording this at 4.14 p.m on a Saturday afternoon in Delhi. But uh, what we're going to talk about is uh, really uh, far from where we are. Uh, so let's, uh, there is only one place to start. Let's start with the uh, Russia-Ukraine conflict. So uh, I'll just take a minute to set this up and then I will uh, invite uh, Krishna to uh, give his thoughts first and then uh, we can go to Panda. Um, so uh, on, on the Russia-Ukraine conflict, right? So. Um, the the thing that is happening right now, and of course, uh, things are still unfolding, and uh, we are not really sure how it's all going to end. But uh, uh, the thing that has happened is that uh, Russia has invaded Ukraine, and they haven't really committed the full force of, of their military might. And, uh, you know, uh, Putin might have been hoping that um, this uh, invasion will, be, will go a lot easier than it has. Uh, he has been surprised by uh, the resistance that is being shown by the Ukrainians and the support that uh, the Ukrainians have managed to get not just from the West, but also uh, from uh, other NATO countries in, in Europe and uh, the EU in, in particular. And now uh, more and more, uh, 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 Putin is finding out that uh, Europe is talking more like Winston Churchill than Neville Chamberlain. And, uh, you know, uh, as, as far as talk is concerned, uh, there's very, there's a lot of tough talk going on. Uh, but but let's see uh, like what are the impacts and how how it impacts uh, India in in particular. So uh, the the first and the most obvious impact of this conflict on India is the rise in the oil price, and uh, we have already seen the Brent uh, crude oil uh, index go to $120 a barrel, uh, which is uh, you know uh, very very high. Uh, this has huge implications for India. So uh, this will send the prices of cooking gas, petrol and uh, you know other fuel uh, soaring uh, and uh, we, we can expect it to reflect in the petrol prices on the petrol pumps in the airline tickets uh, because of the uh, you know the airplane fuel uh, that is going to increase in prices and of course cooking gas natural gas all of these uh, energy sources uh, fossil fuel energy sources are going to go up in price so that is going to be the first impact and india is a huge energy importing nation that uh, we all know so this is going to impact our fiscal deficit. Uh, this is going to impact the forex reserves that we have. 
and uh, it, it it might also impact the stability of the rupee uh, because uh, we, we are going to have to import a lot more so uh, we might see rupees slipping against uh, the currency basket of the rest of the world then um, um like uh, the oil prices going up and all the repercussions that follow from that are of course there but also uh, you know uh, in india has uh, some trade relations with both these countries not not too much uh, so uh, the, the trade with russia is is quite re- replaceable uh, but uh, and 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 the trade with ukraine is also uh, you know not that great uh, but uh, we do import uh, commodities like sunflower oil and uh, some fertilizers and uh, uh you know other farming equipment from uh, ukraine so uh, all of that goes out of the window and of course uh, with russia we have a deep relationship uh, and and uh, basically arms uh, import is, is is india's main business with russia so that is again uh, going out of the window with the west imposing huge sanctions on russia so it will not be as easy for india to continue its arms imports from russia then uh, like uh, india's exports to russia only account for 1% of india's total exports so uh, that is not a lot uh, we can probably find other ways to replace it and uh, uh, this this will also increase the difficulty of trade uh, with the uh, cis countries so the cis countries are the commonwealth of in- independent states uh, which were uh, f- formed out of uh, you know all the independent states that became came out of ussr all uh, the international grouping of them together is now called cis which is the commonwealth of independent states so uh india is going to face uh, some problems dealing with that now the key, real key in uh, concept that i wanted to focus on here uh, which has been caused by this war is is actually uh, you know this war has created a new europe altogether uh, uh, you know before uh, the war had started the eu was really a weak concept it was very hard to get a lot of nations aligned on 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 uh, you know any one path and it it was difficult to get things done when uh, you know there are 20 countries in the forum and they all have competing interests but as soon as the war was launched everyone uh, sort of came to the same page very quickly and they all uh, came down heavily on the ukrainian side condemning the actions of russia and uh, you know we have uh, countries uh, like uh, sweden which is home to the sipri institute which is you know a leading think tank against weaponization against uh, you know uh, countries acquiring weapons even sweden is going to send weapons to uh, ukraine in order to resist this battle and uh, the german chancellor olaf right he 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 gave a, a rousing speech in in the german parliament and 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 was uh, you know treated to great applause basically he threw out german foreign policy over the last 30 years and germany of all countries is going to rearm now uh, they are going to spend a one time 113 billion dollars in in uh, rearming themselves and they're also committing troops to other eastern european countries in order to increase deterrence so that russia may not invade them further so uh, i i mean uh, and and this is not just true with germany and sweden it's happening with almost every nato country uh, even uh, small countries like luxembourg are finding equipment to send over to ukraine so uh, putin has really created a new and united uh, europe uh, which he might not have expected going into the conflict so uh, there are as many as 22000 uh, troops which are being committed uh, to the defense of eastern european countries and uh, you know even if no troops make it to ukraine to fight the russians still the equipment is going to get there and that is going to be uh, you know uh, very hard for uh, uh, russia to uh, you know so, sort of manage so uh, this this really opens a pandora box of uh, what could happen in the future it's it's really very uncertain and even the worst possibilities uh, have 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 sort of increased in probability uh, since the war had started so 
like uh, I, I hope that lays down the context of what is happening right now. Now, uh, my my question uh, to to you both would be uh, like, uh, where do you see this going in the future? And uh, you know, uh, uh, the the West has already imposed enormous economic sanctions, and and there are still uh, more that can be imposed. So, uh, like, uh, w- what would be uh, sort of the right course of action here? Uh, because Russia can escalate on its part as well. It does have huge uh, military and nuclear stockpiles, which are still uh, lying unused. And uh, so, so th- both sides have cards in their pocket that they can play. And uh, it's, it's really, uh, you know, getting to a stage where, uh, like, things might uh, go down the escalatory ladder and uh, really devolve into huge catastrophic conflict. Uh, which is not something we want, but uh, it's it's on the table. So, uh, Krishna, would you like to go first? Yeah. Am I audible? Yeah. Yes. Okay. So yeah, the war has really uh, been going on for the last two weeks, and Russia has invaded Kharkiv and is about to enter the response of Russia has been quite shocking with Putin's statements like uh, the strong do what they can and the weak suffer what they must, which is totally against the international global international order, which is based on rule of law and uh, deterrence policies. So uh, the way I see the war as uh, in the future, as there will be different fronts of the war. Uh, now also cyber space has come into play. And both countries are attacking each other's infrastructure and critical infrastructure uh, uh, via digitally. And apart from that, uh, a nuclear standoff is quite probable in the coming months because if NATO supplies any arsenals or places it's on it uh, places places them on the borders of Russia, and then Russia will also place its nuclear arsenals. So there is a possibility of nuclear standoff, and I hope it stays till that only and does not uh, uh, cross that barrier. But uh, Russia has also spoken statements like, uh, uh, I know nuclear war is bad for the world, but what is world without Russia? So it's really uh, tough to imagine where Russia is going and even to scale uh, what is going on in their mind. So uh, I hope that the war stays till nuclear standoff and everything gets resolved. Ukraine retains some autonomy. Although the Eastern Ukraine will become a part of Russia because they have already uh, set it auto- autonomous regions and uh, it is highly unlikely that Russia will let go of it now, uh, like it did with Crimea. So that will be my mm-hmm. possibility for the future. Right. For my view, you know, I have this view that uh, after once the hostile takeover of Ukraine is done, which, which is sure to be done if Russia does not, you know, stop. Even Putin has recently imposed sanctions on the Russian and Facebook, so that no post regarding, you know, insulting armies should be circulated. So I think so. He, he has made up his mind, and uh, what is going to uh, happen? This is for sure. America has just started at just ignited it. And yes, we had a comment that NATO as an organization, which was sought to be sort of dead, is now coming back to life. You know, uh, even stronger than EU. Like EU is an economic prosperous uh, open, whereas the NATO is a military open. That is coming all together again. So I think so. This uh, prospects of NATO again coming, uh, and you know, we just have Belarus and uh, Ukraine that are not. Uh, under the control of 
uh, NATO, apart from Georgia and uh, these regions, regions such as Poland, uh, Hungary, uh, Slovakia, they are under the you know they are under NATO. It has already reached special borders, and uh, I think so. This is what is going to happen is that Ukraine is going to be divided into two parts: the eastern part and the western part. But for now, I think so. It's going to go under the control of NATO, uh, and there is going to be a great. I, I would not exactly say. Uh, but it can be a sort of Ukraine wall, similar to the Berlin Wall that once we saw. So this is a mm -hmm. this is quite something that might you know take over uh, Ukraine and the western part would uh, go and join EU and also the NATO forces. But no country as sovereign and you know as powerful, being a world superpower such as Russia, would want any other nation you know uh, just hampering on its borders, placing nuclear arsenal and weapons, which was a place. Uh, fear it had, but uh, now that US and other NATO uh, nations did not consider that, and let's not let's not just say it is a fall from uh, only one side, but ultimately the final result that I see is that you, uh, once Ukraine is going to be taken over, and there might be a uh, sort of Berlin Wall that is going to be the division of Ukraine into two parts: the eastern part mm -hmm. that are supported by the uh, Russians and uh, the Russians living in uh, Ukraine, and the uh, western part. You know that is uh, other group of people that do not support the uh, Russian invasion stuff. So I think so. This is the main question. Right, uh, Krishna, you want to add something? So we should also keep in mind that European Union has uh, welcomed, like European Union has invited Ukraine to become its member, and European Union also has a clause about mutual secu security or collective security. And any war on a European Union member will be war against everyone. So if Ukraine gets that membership, uh, do we think that Russia has the will and capability to fight against the whole European Union? So that also might be a very strong difference in the war. But you know, right. as uh, President was quoted by Putin, "What is the world without Russia?" So I think so. He might just go ahead. You never know. Russians are a different type of. People, yeah, yeah. I, I, I mean, uh, as as far as the will uh, to to fight is concerned, I, I think that is very much there, and and they've already shown that. But I am not sure if if they can match the capability of the West uh, when it comes to uh, you know uh, military firepower. But then again, Russia always has the nuclear option, and uh, you know uh, it's it's very uh, hard to put uh, dictators like Putin in a tough spot. Because uh, they, they can always uh, pull the nuclear button, which can uh, you know send the world down uh, a, a, a very uh, catastrophic uh, future. So, uh, by, I think uh, what the West should do in, at, at this point is really offer an off ramp uh, from from this war. Because uh, right now, so far, the stance of the West has been that uh, you know they want to cause a regime change in Russia and uh, you know get rid of Putin and uh, get somebody else in power there. So, so that is uh, sort of the whole. Um, Uh, ethos of the Western response, whereas uh, you know on on the Russian side, uh, like there has been no give up. They 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 want to take the whole of Ukraine. So uh, what I'm trying to figure out is where where does the peace deal happen? Uh, because uh, we we do not really want this uh, to escalate further. And if if uh, it's, it's it's very hard, uh, you know, if if you start pushing Russia into a corner, then they have a huge nuclear stockpile, and and it will only result in uh, you know huge uh, number of deaths. Huge, huge casualties, uh, huge loss of life and property. So, uh, like uh, that option has, has has still not been offered, and uh, like that that could be one way to to sort of uh, end end this conflict or uh, nip it in the bud. 
but but that increasingly seems to go out of window as both sides uh, really diverge in the uh, outcome that they want uh, russia really wants control over the whole of ukraine and the west uh, has wants nothing to do with putin anymore and and you know would do good would go to any length to uh, bring his uh, reign to an end so uh, and and the west uh, has a lot of economic sanctions that it can still impose so uh, i i mean right now uh, they have just cut uh, the russian banks access to swift uh, so so uh, like uh, the, the the banks have also lost access to their central reserves and uh, even uh, countries like uh, switzerland who have had a history of uh, you know neutral remaining neutral uh, even during world war 1 and world war 2 even they have come down heavily on the side of uh, ukraine and sort of banned access of russian oligarchs to their accounts so i i mean uh, th- th- this is uh, th- this war has definitely created a different europe and uh, like uh, right now there is no off ramp to the war being offered both sides uh, are, are are going for it all uh, which is uh, really very dangerous and uh, you know we we don't know what is going to happen next so uh, like instead of uh, trying to predict what is going to happen let's uh, sort of um, move on okay panel uh, do you want to say something yeah just moving on uh, forward i just want to say one thing is very clear that now the impact that west one side especially the uh, us is now degrading this is the intense mm-hmm. new uh, global uh, order what i mean is this is something that the steps that have been taken by the us you know, just imposing sanctions when it was creating the power and you supporting its allies was put very much in the bad light so now i think so is the chance for the asian nations such as china to you know actually uh, become a a very uh, or out a new superpower in the world you know i think so the hegemony that uh, us had after the world war uh, after the cold war uh, ended is now getting over uh, although it is just indirectly where russia has made uh, people but uh, it is a direct challenge to the authority of usa to which they can only reply by putting sanctions and things so i think so this is a very direct consequence of this war is that us is losing its uh, or obviously us has lost it's high ground uh, that it had till now claimed you know the great uh, america and i think so this is one of the most uh, concerning or i would say most evident uh, outcome that we can see especially for india mm-hmm. and and i think another risk for uh, for, for the west is actually uh, you know uh, pushing the global economy into a recession uh, because uh, you know ukraine and russia these two countries are responsible for 25% of the world's wheat supply now if if you cut these countries out of the uh, global trade system then uh, 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 all, all of that wheat uh, which comes down from ukraine and russia makes its way to egypt and then it uh, goes to all the african countries which are food deficient uh, and and require food imports so uh, when you cut out uh, you know a quarter of the world's wheat supply uh, that that is going to have huge downstream effects on food safety or food security uh for 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 various countries and of course the impact on energy is is, is very clear uh, energy prices are going to go through the roof energy importing nations like china india us it, it won't sit well with them so either they need to uh, e- either this will increase the uh, pace of a switch to uh, you know uh, non fossil fuel energy sources or uh, you know it it, it will uh, it, it 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 will lead to uh, you know simpler or easier uh like other ways to come up with fossil fuels from other countries uh, than russia so uh, I, i mean uh, all of those options are are on the table right now but of course it is very difficult to say how how things are going to go uh, now uh, c- coming to the indian response 
to uh, you know uh, the the conflict and sort of the steps that india has taken uh, in in this conflict so um, uh, the, the the first thing how how it really started was uh, you know at the unsc there was a resolution uh, for uh, russia to stop it it's invasion and you know pull back all of its troops of course it was uh, vetoed by russia as it has a permanent uh, seat at the un security council then uh, there was a resolution raised in the un general assembly and and this was uh, you know through a uh, a resolution that had been taken earlier that uh, you know if there is internal disagreement between the p5 members uh, over the maintenance of international peace and security that's when uh, in the unga uh, 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 a convention can be raised and it was actually uh, co-sponsored by 96 countries and uh, you know uh, it 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 has even passed so so the unga has actually adopted uh, the, the resolution to for russia to stop its uh, incursions into ukraine now what's really interesting is is the indian response uh, to 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 this uh, you know uh, to this resolution india has come out in an abstentionist oppose and uh, it is the same uh, response as has been taken by russia uh, as has been taken by china pakistan sri lanka so uh, sort of any countries that have uh, you know some sort of relationship with russia uh, they have chosen to uh, abstain from voting and not voted uh, you know for the resolution so uh, this has been really interesting of course india has uh, you know its own diplomatic uh, uh, commitments that it needs to live up to and that's why it is abstaining but uh, it, it would be great if you two could dive in and and you know uh, sort of break down the reasons why india has not chosen to go along with the ukrainians uh in 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 this time of uh, humanitarian crisis so uh, maybe krishna first and then uh, panda yeah sure so uh, before starting with the indian dilemma i would just like mm-hmm. to uh, appreciate how pakistan prime minister has imposed sanctions on russia and refused to repay their loans because russia mm-hmm. has become an official state so i think that is a very smart move on behalf of any prime minister to mm-hmm. cut down their financial responsibility and make the most of the opportunity now of coming course. to why india is in this dilemma so yeah india has been uh, india has attained the status of vishwa guru and a global leader uh, in the recent times but in this war india's stance has been pro aggressor to say the least Mm-hmm. but why india is doing so so the answer is pretty clear that india has a very strong defense relations with russia like 49% of imports of arms imports of india are still uh, from russia only and india needs russia's support in united nations security council for important uh, territorial sovereignty resolutions like kashmir and aksai chain and even the terrorism even, even on the resolutions against terrorism in the united nations security council so keeping in mind the history of india and russia and their shared friendship russia has been a long trusted partner of india since the 1960 and america's behavior toward its friends has not been so responsible so india is wary of going too close to america and staying far from russia because russia has proved its loyalty to india uh, for the past 5 to 6 decades whereas america mm-hmm. we have seen that it has a dual policy first it shows india's importance in the indo pacific but then it removes india from the generalized system of preferences and then it again promises india by giving a membership to quad but again america goes back to giving nuclear submarines to australia by forming the aukus so all these uh, duality in the american friendship 
has made india wary of totally relying on america and thus it cannot let go of russia completely so in my opinion the huge security uh, trust between india and russia and the defense ties given the important uh, veto of russia in united nations security council account for india's dilemma which is very clear because for mm-hmm. the objective of foreign policy we must remember it is to safeguard india's interests at the end india's interests is its territorial sovereignty and the welfare of its people so india mm-hmm. cannot let go of its uh, interests for anything right definitely uh, i would start with saying that uh, like that we have been quoting that international relations are not run by morality but by reality and i think so this is what india is learning uh, over the times and krishna has pointed very rightly that us has had a history of leaving it lies uh, we just best recent examples of ukraine let's not go to taliban and afghanistan so uh, this this is the most recent example you know uh, it it had been supporting ukraine all along and then the war started with its you know support and imposing sanctions now the now coming to the stand of india and the reason so there is this very famous quote although i'm not quote uh, targeting anyone but it's a quote by desmond tutu it's that uh, it's just because india is abstained from voting so if you are in a situation of injustice you have chosen the side of oppression so india has chosen the side of oppression uh, to be very straight and this is because uh, apart from being all over ally as of till now you know uh, russia russia also has a very uh, good uh, i would say relation with china and india has this fear and not only a fear it also has an opportunity that china someday might uh, attack india and us is not a uh, friendly ally and it is not uh, willing to when it is not willing to go against russia uh, who is a declining superpower how is it uh, willing to go against china that is an emerging so we cannot afford to have someone who is not uh, who will not be practically and there are very high chances you know china after this uh, instance of ukraine being claimed by Russia. There are very high chances that China is going to claim uh, this Arunachal uh, Pradesh, and also there are uh, chances of China claiming Taiwan and Hong Kong. So this is something now. This geopolitics are going to change. There is POK that is in the question. These are all the same issues, you know. Now what I personally feel is China is going to expand, going to the. Uh, it, it has seen that how world has reacted. it is the superpower it is the demand creator you know it has the best producing uh, capabilities and not only china let's just talk about this asian region you know we have sri lanka we have india we have uh, pakistan bangladesh we have china and then we have uh, russia and along with the four tans you know the kazakhstan uzbekistan turkmenistan and tajikistan so these are the next uh, this, this is the big pole that is going to emerge uh, in the, in the next global order you know and it is going to be focused all around china so now china is just waiting for uh, anything and it's just observing what is going to happen in the ukraine conflict you know and the same actions might be reciprocated when it comes to taiwan china has already sent out a uh, notice to uh, yeah uh, china has already sent out a notice to usa that it should not interfere in anything uh, if if something happens between taiwan and china you know so this is a very direct uh, inclination towards uh, just just suggesting that uh, something might happen so india needs a superpower that if not supporting should be there to mediate between china and india right presently china is much much stronger than india but 
uh, you know, having Russia on our side because Russia has uh, explicitly said in 2021 December, Putin has said that we have to strategicalize, and he has named them openly, India and China. So he is the one that he is going to mediate between both China and India. So India needs Russia because not uh, apart from the defense deals uh, that it has been a trustworthy ally and to counter anything that China puts up. You know, we also mm-hmm. need security, and US can never be trusted. The West can never be trusted. You know, even the European right. uh, Union is in decline. So this is as simple as that, and that is why we have abstained from voting. This is a uh, total reality and practicality that we are following. Yeah, Krishna. Exactly, Krishna. Yeah. So also, I will. I'm. I slightly disagree from uh, saying that India is supporting Russia. I will say that India has not chosen any sides until now, and. india has chosen the side of non violence only because it has been decrying the violence in the region india has asked all both the parties to abstain from violence and maintain peace and stability in the region which is a very noble stance by any country also moving to what you want india to do do you want india to supply uh, to go against russia on the war we can't expect that and if india let's say that uh, imposes sanctions on russia there will be hardly any of hardly of any use because russia has no dependency on india the arms imports are there but india needs it for its strategic autonomy so even if india goes against russia i don't think it will be a much effective move in this war it will not play any role in this war like the whole world is against russia and that has not stopped russia so how will india going against russia will do any राइटरी claiming yeah i i, I think uh, the, the indian stance is is very uh, a, a, a realist uh, a realist stance because uh, krishna is right that uh, you know in, india cannot really go out and support ukraine when we have all of these uh, linkages with russia and uh, at, at the same time we cannot be seen to be openly supporting russia as well so of course we need to condemn the violence and we need to abstain from voting so uh, the indian stance has been uh, very realist uh, in, in in that regard and india of course needs to weigh its response to the uh, ukraine russia conflict in the context of china so india cannot really go or too much against russia because that would push russia into the hands of china uh, if and when the india china uh, question uh, arises again so in india really needs to be careful it needs to measure all of its responses uh, with the expansionist china uh, which is sitting right on our borders and and you know uh, there is also uh, an, an implication on the opposite side that you know right now we are supporting uh, or or at least uh, you know uh, not uh, raising our voice against an expansionist russia uh, then tomorrow when uh, you know china starts its its expansionist aims whether it is capturing of taiwan or or it is you know uh, uh, doing boundary incursions along its long india china border uh, like uh, what face will india show to the rest of the world then because right now we are not really condemning uh, these expansionist aims of russia so of course uh, in india's uh, stance needs to be recalibrated uh, you know almost daily and uh, where uh, we we cannot really be seen uh, to support russia openly but of course uh, when you are abstaining then it is in in some way supporting uh, an, an expansionist power which is russia in this case but again uh, india has its uh, realist policy concerns and and india cannot really 
you know uh, go full eu and and come out in support of ukraine and send troops or send weapons to ukraine because if, like the, the the weapons that india might end up sending to ukraine might be russian weapons right so <laughs> i mean so it, it, india cannot really uh come down on the ukrainian side on this and uh, kamish has a really interesting question here uh so uh, do you think russia will support ag- against china so uh, panda would you like to take that yeah you know uh, this is not about supporting between china and india this is someone powerful enough to mediate between two nations that both the nations will listen to presently between ukraine and russia there is no common nation that is powerful enough uh, that will uh, you know be heard by both the parties there have been uh, you know instances and news of india being the uh, mediator between the ukraine and russia but india is not powerful enough when it comes to the russian side we we have to balance the ties there but when it comes to china and india i think so russia is uh, powerful enough and both these countries they have their respective uh, aims and negotiations with the uh, russian country uh, that it can uh, negotiate uh, that you know it can act as a mediator or someone that controls uh, if anything goes haywire now coming uh, in in the terms of supporting directly i don't think so any country like uh, like has uh, it has been the case even for a small nation such as uh, ukraine is going to be the case whenever now there are uh, if if there is going to be war between two nations or uh, not blocks two nations i don't think so someone is going to directly come and support that nation you know they if if us uh, if the nato or if the eu wanted to support ukraine they would have done so you know it is not a part of uh, nato but it could have become a part of nato uh, ukraine had this option of becoming part of nato long back uh, right from 2014 when the annexation of crimea took place right so this is something that uh, we need to see uh, that we just no need uh, we don't need someone to support us fight china we need someone to control china and india from that uh, you know from abstaining from that fight and now that china is a super uh, is a, is a growing superpower till that time it is it has not become a hegemon it is not it is what russia uh, can play what role russia can uh, play when it comes to because both russia and china again they both use uh, they both use sukhoi again from the russian side so this is something that that needs to be seen you know this balance needs to be made out when it comes to uh, war between both the nations and only russia in the present context can make that balance you know us china is not going to listen to us uh, india might listen to us so russia is that powerful common ground between the nations to which both the nations will listen Uh, is the point that I was trying. To... Yeah, so so Russia might not support, but it can act as a counterweight against China. Yeah, yeah, Krishna. Also, I would like to answer to that comment in this way that uh, even if Russia does not support India, it should not also support China. China. So if India uh, goes against Russia, then of course the Russia, China, and Pakistan and Iran, this belt will grow very strong and which is very uh, uh, unfavorable against India's India. interest. Yeah. all right so i i think uh, that covers it for now I, we have had uh, you know a 35 minute discussion on uh, the russia ukraine conflict uh, if there are any last thoughts panda first and then maybe krishna just, and then we can move on, on. To and it's a, uh, it's a suggestion uh, for uh, back to for, all indians i think so all the time we need to go uh, and develop all our weapons indigenously right it's very high time you know Uh, presently our weapons you know 49% they are imported we are importing missiles and aircraft to philippines uh, uh, that are made along with the collaboration of russia you know then we have this s400 system apart from that we have signed katsa and other uh, four essential agreements with the usa so i think so now is the time because the world uh, is now going to be controlled by technological advanced nations no it is it is mm-hmm. not going to be a direct confrontative war it is about technic uh, technological superiority 
so i think so now india yes it has taken a very good stance uh, according to me as of now but now also uh, indigenously and inside the nation it should uh, start focusing on its technological developments uh, seeing the future challenges that are bound to emerge you know so i think so this is one thing that should be started at least seeing now that you know when there is going to be conflict between two nations no third nation is willing to interfere especially when one of them is a nuclear power state right and when it comes to china and india both are so and uh, yeah i mean that is an excellent point and it it does not just apply to defense equipment or or you know military equipment but uh, we are seeing you know even western countries which are important to the functioning of uh, you, you know uh, the russian society even they are starting to pull back their services from from these countries so so that really uh, raises a doubt on globalization in in general uh, you know because india is a huge market for these international companies uh, which are you know from every nation and if tomorrow india gets into a adversarial situation with one of these countries they can use that technology or they can use uh, you know those businesses against india's interests so it is really important for india to develop its indigenous technologies and uh, you know uh, just uh, last week we saw that google pay and apple pay uh, you know they, they stopped their services in russia uh, so uh, all of the moscow uh, subway system stopped accepting uh, mobile payments because that was the technology being used and now there are huge lines in moscow subways to you know uh, buy, buy tickets using cash so uh, of, of course uh, all of this happens when when there is a great dependence upon uh, technology which is coming from elsewhere and and you know in in, in a war like situation you might not even be fighting the other country directly but the international system is arranged in a way that you know uh, sometimes uh, this globalization really doesn't work and 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 you know uh, that's when we we wish that we had something indigenous so so it right now is is the time we should increase the focus on uh, greater in, in, in indigenous technology development mm -hmm. also i have something to say to the west that if you want india to remain autonomous and uh, become a world leader then it is that this is the time to give india a permanent secure permanent membership to united nations security council along with the veto power because then india's reliance on russia will come down drastically we should right. keep in mind that the defense import reliance is not that big a factor because any other country israel us france or the whole europe can supply defense uh, arms and ammunitions to india but the veto power in security council that is what is keeping india tacked with russia so this is mm -hmm. high time for reforms in the international bodies and uh, for india to take its uh, position at the world stage uh, for the whole world to become multipolar in true sense right i i think that is an excellent point and you know uh, un security council that was actually made to prevent wars like this and uh, you know when when wars happen then uh, the question needs to be asked if 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 the body is really enough to uh, control international peace and we we know very clearly that uh, un security council is not a representative body it does not represent uh, the entire world uh, the african nations are not represented one seventh of the world is not represented if you not if you don't have india in it so uh, I, i mean of course uh, the, the 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 system uh, th this is a huge wake up call and and uh, hopefully there is going to be uh, you know changes coming in the international order all right so i think now we can move on to the uh, next topic so uh, under who do you like to take the next one yeah you know my next topic is a very uh, interesting topic this is related to uh, online gaming mm -hmm. so uh, my next topic will be about online gaming so i'll just be uh, briefing the context as to why is this is in news and uh, the future prospects and the opportunities that this platform provides 
Right. So recently, the Karnataka High Court. Uh, just a second. Yeah. So recently, the Karnataka High Court it had quashed the order of the state uh, of Karnataka that had banned uh, uh, that had banned on online gaming. You know. So the Karnataka High Court said that this complete blanket ban on online gaming as such is unconstitutional. Now we'll just go into the details of. So uh, when when you have this gaming, so there are two instances. Gaming per se, you know, is a state subject. It is put uh, under the state list. You know, uh, subject thirty four of the state list, right? But in gaming, there are two types of gaming. When it comes to normal gaming and even uh, online gaming, so one is game of skill and one is game of chance, right? So game of skill, uh, for example, chess. So even online chess, so it is a game of uh, skill. that requires skill you uh, and uh, it was also, and then you have game of chance that are completely luck based the gambling games you know so uh, now that uh, this karnataka high court has imposed a ban so this has again been brought up onto the news so india has more than 15000 game developers you know it has great, uh, it has more than uh, 250 companies and million of gamers and i i think so everyone uh, would now be playing some 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 game or other uh, on the online context so this becomes very important Uh, this is poised to be this online gaming industry is poised to become a 150 billion dollar uh, industry by 2030 you know that has been uh, stated now i'll just uh, tell why what are the present laws regarding this gaming and why this uh, ban was imposed in the states that have done this right so betting and gambling uh, sorry that was not betting and gambling are in the state list so uh, uh, some states like this this is in the seventh schedule of uh, constitution mm-hmm. so for our viewers three list one is the union list on which the parliament alone can make laws then we have the concurrent list which on which both the states and the parliament can make laws but in case of mismatch the parliamentary law will supersede the state law and then we have the state list on which state has the exclusive power under normal circumstances to make law right so these laws vary from state to state so betting and gambling is in the state list article 30 uh, section 34 of that list right so two states Goa and Sikkim, they have legalized betting. You know, you have casinos in Sikkim and even in Goa. So uh, you might wonder that why is it not allowed in other states? It's because those other states are not, you know, allowed it. And this has been allowed by these two states, right? But online gaming per se is not mentioned in any of the list. So this is a gray area because it is an up, uh, upcoming and emerging area. It was not uh, back in 1947 when these lists were formed and when they were amended, right? So because of this. uh it has only been regulated as of now by the it act of 2000 right so uh now the uh, th- this is the basic context now the uh, supreme court has also uh, highlighted earlier uh, and this is when the high court was giving this decision it had quoted supreme court that uh, in in the all india gaming federation versus state of karnataka case when the supreme court said uh, so supreme court said that you know fantasy sports uh this Uh, we have this fantasy sports that is going mm-hmm. on uh, for ipl we have you know uh, what was that name make my team and you know dream 11 dream type, 11 type of, uh, games so supreme court had said that these are fantasy sports that require a certain skill set you know it's not purely luck based you have to have the analysis and so you cannot ban a game which requires skill that is against the freedom of uh, your expression and also against the uh, article 19g in which any person has the uh, you know freedom to Take up any profession. So when it comes to game of skill, pure banning of game of skill, uh, the games that involve game of skill cannot be banned. So this is a fine distinction that needs to be made between game of skill and game of chance. So this is the context of the news that has been uh, that why online gaming and uh, you know it, again it, it has come. So there was ban on uh, PUBG and uh, we had this Free Fire that was banned that were under the IT rules because they violated the privacy agreement. 
so that is something different that was under the parliamentary control and uh, but now states banning this and especially the complete ban not i'm, I'm not just explicitly saying complete ban is i think so curbing some is somewhere curbing this industry that is you know rising up uh, when we have this uh, now we have teams that are representing india at the global level you know so what are your views on this ban uh, uh, from the states and uh, what should be done uh, you know mm-hmm. what are the if 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 uh, these bans are you know put up so i'll start with you gas what are your views right. on this so so yeah i i, I think uh, a distinction needs to be made between online gambling and online gaming so i i think uh, when it comes to gambling uh, in india has a uh, anti gambling stance even when you go into the offline world so so there is no reason to assume that we will suddenly you know turn around and allow gambling in the online world so i i mean uh, whether if something can be classified as gambling then i i think it would make sense for for the courts or to to ban that or or for the legislation to ban that until there is a wider policy change which allows gambling now i i i don't have a view which is for gambling or against gambling there are many countries in the world where gambling works of course us allows both offline as well as online gambling and it is a huge business it generates job opportunities for them as well but, but then again india has a different cultural outlook india has a different sort of time and place uh where it is at so um, maybe gambling may not be right uh, the right decision for india so uh, maybe we should not uh, you know allow gambling but when it comes to gaming i i don't really see any reason to uh, sort of deny uh, people uh, the the right to game uh, and and you know it it is just another profession like panda mentioned and it is even part of our constitution under article 19 where uh, you know you you can uh, take up any profession and also you can start any business that you like as long as it is uh, you know fair ethical and abides by all the rules so uh, like as as long as all the other laws are getting uh, followed i i do not really have a position which is against uh, online gaming it it is a huge emerging sector uh, in india has a surplus of software engineers software developers who can get employed in 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 the sector so it, it it makes sense for india to actually push for growth of the sector and uh, even uh, when it comes to online gaming uh, you know uh, india has no lack for talent so indians can uh, you know probably uh, do well in 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 this area as well so i, I do not really see a, an argument against online gaming but when it comes to online gambling sure uh, there, there can be reasons to uh, you know ban that or not allow that right we also have a question uh, along with you uh, having your view we also have this question from aman that what about online poker it's banned in assam mm-hmm. so would you like to answer this and your views on this online gambling versus the debate of online gaming and how is the game of skill and game of chance you know what is that fine line that needs to be made yeah so uh, there are uh, precedents of india banning game of chances and allowing game of skills so game of skills are games where the outcome of the game does not depend purely on luck but rather it depends on your uh, acquired skill sets or your uh, inherent inherent competence or stuff like that uh, so even the dream 11 case that you talked about has been upheld as a game of skill because court argued that it requires an a background knowledge about the players and about the game that is going to happen about the uh, match conditions the everything so it becomes a ma- game of skill in the end moreover uh, india the states that have banned these uh, online gaming and online gambling platforms there were two reasons for banning these so first was that uh, uh, gambling is not allowed in india and it's a social evil and second was 
apprehensions of policy makers about destruction of youth uh, by getting indulged in this online gaming platform which is taking up their precious productive time but of course that uh, uh, apprehension is quite misplaced because everyone is free to waste his life or to uh, make the hell out of his life or to you know do whatever the hell he wants with his life so states interfering in uh, and making uh, like pushing them towards leading a better life is not uh, right in my opinion because in modern world we all have our right to ruin our life so it that should be awarded to everyone and uh, online gaming online gambling whatever it be uh, everything should be allowed yeah and 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 i think uh, there is also a, a certain lack of awareness uh, that is there when we say you know uh, that uh, investing your time in online gaming actually leads to you wasting your life because you know there are examples of people making out uh, you know huge careers out of it as well so i i mean it is not really uh, uh, you know it's not for the state to decide what is a waste of time and what is not so i i think uh, like uh, uh, of course uh, the uh, free will our uh, argument is there and and uh, now e- even uh, you know the paternalistic argument for banning of of games is not there because people end up making huge uh, huge careers out of it so i i mean uh, there is really no reason for uh, the state to you know come out with this paternalistic laws or these restrictions on uh, freedom right but you know i have one... fear that yeah krishna yeah krishna so just one counter to mm-hmm. the argument just yeah. for the sake of bring that people make money or career out of drug peddling and kidnapping and murdering and other aspects also right of course yeah i i mean it is legal so so there is also that yeah so you know uh, just just adding one uh, point to this online gambling and online gaming you know yeah. there is this difference and again it is totally dependent on the wishes of state like it has been banned in assam as pointed out by aman you know it mm-hmm. it depends on state but again this is a policy gray area where policy needs to be framed as to uh, which law will as of now act the parliament needs to create a pan india law right uh, but there is also one issue and it has been highlighted even by loda committee and uh, law commission that we need to uh, you know we, we don't need to ban uh, betting or gambling make it legal you know just impose gst on it uh, as high as 30% so in a way you are uh, you know incorporating and bringing uh, tax revenues and at the same time if you are not banning it it's not stopping you from gambling you know there are ways that you'll find to uh, gamble uh, you, you, simple ways just to gamble so it will only make this industry underground you know mm-hmm. so that is also one thing that needs to be taken into account that just by simply enforcing laws that are very harsh you know uh, then they are not going to result in something that the people they are not going to act as a deterrent so it's better to act as a regulator than a, a enforcer of uh, you know laws that are against the upcoming trend you know uh, gaming is the future you know with the coming of metaverse and uh, all these things i think so gaming is going to be the future uh, in, in a way it is going to be a career option uh, and people are making uh, you know careers uh, out of it so rather than doing that it's better to i, I think so collect taxes by legalizing it Uh, and not letting it uh, in in other way go underground so this is mm-hmm. one thing that can you know okay so great definitely i am in support of uh, panda's argument about uh, uh, gaining as much revenue as possible from online gaming and gambling activities taxing why only 30% we can go up to 60% as well because 
everything is justified for the state moreover uh, the state should stop taking moral high grounds because it has lost its moral high ground completely like we cannot uh, appreciate state on morality anywhere anyhow or in whatever reason so the uh, jurisdiction of state should remain financial only and it should take all its decisions keeping it keeping in mind the finances if it can make money if it can spend more on the welfare policies for the people and if it can uh, you know help in maintaining law and order then it should do that it should not think about if it is moral or not because right <clears throat> so yeah i counter this point you know because at as, as it has been said you know that if people are moral you don't need any law and if people are immoral no law will work you know so i i think so there should be a bit of sanction which is required uh, but again you know apart from that yes it needs to be regulated rather than you know suppressing and at the same time giving complete freedom so there needs to be a balance but i don't think so banning complete blanket ban is not the answer is what i would say all right so um yeah uh, we have uh, time for maybe one more uh, topic so uh, do we have anything else yeah krishna yeah so i have prepared something on hate speech which has been quite in news recently and given mm-hmm. the uh, huge uh, like a huge hate speech given by a religious leader i cannot name the religion or the leader or anything uh, just to remain unbiased and so we should look at this issue of hate speech in a totally unbiased way what is hate speech so hate speech is any inflammatory or provocative views but law commission of india defines hate speech in quite a peculiar fashion that it is a it is a way of speech Uh, aimed at degrading a particular community or a particular social group so any kind of hate which is targeted against the whole social group comes under the aspect of hate speech which is quite uh, right and uh, judicious also and so why there have been rising instances of hate speech or have there been rising instances of hate speech like was hate speech a phenomenon of the past as well as of the present or it has risen exponentially in the present so these are two aspects that we should discuss right now so first is definitely is this happening now only and was india never a witness to hate speech yeah so i i, I don't think uh, you know uh, this is a phenomena which has come up in the recent past because uh, you know if 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 the phenomena did not exist uh, in in the past then why do we have this law so i i mean uh, of course india is no stranger to hate speech uh, we have had uh, you know a history of communal violence a history of uh, you know uh, communalization across our politics so of course hate speech has been uh, a, a part of our political tradition but uh, it it shouldn't have been yeah right. so where where yeah. there has been politics there has been hate speech right yeah. you know i, I it has been uh, through the ages but uh, the angle of hate speech that we are witnessing today or the uh, scale is much more than what it used to exist you know it's just that uh, if any uh, community the supreme court has also defined hate speech in a very different way it has just said simply that hate speech is an effort to marginalize individuals based on membership in a group so it has been done you know it has been done through the ages uh, when, whenever there was a shame of re- uh, change of regime be it from the uh, sultanates or delhi even before i think so it has been ongoing but this issue uh, being highlighted or i would say uh, on, on this mass scale you know uh, people being identified on the basis of their religion you know their actions being uh, we, we have pre uh, preconceived notions regarding 
uh, a person just based on his religion or his uh, ethnicity or any of the belief i think so this this uh, is something that is very new and very broad to uh, today's world and that is why i think so we need uh, a special look at this yeah so uh, like india is a multicultural uh, society and it is normal for people to have apprehensions against the other group or the uh, or anyone outside their you know social community but why there has been such a huge rise in hate speech as uh, the numbers uh, give us the evidence so the reasons for rise in hate speech can be four basically first is weak laws there are no laws defining hate speech holistically like they are dealt with the traditional laws of uh, you know um, offenses against an individual or offenses of beating someone so all these offenses only uh, are used for enforcing uh, the menace of hate speech so there is no law that defines hate speech first of all second is weak enforcement of laws this is i this i think is the problem behind all the issues of india the weak enforcement of laws so that removes the deterrence or the hurdles and people in, indulge in such activities in a very free way third is the social media which has been a platform for you know fueling hate speech like social media is the fuel behind hate speech because everyone mm-hmm. is present and and fourth is the anonymity in the social media so social media given with its anonymity uh, it it's really a fertile ground for hate speech so keeping in mind all these reasons what should be the way forward for controlling hate speech and for building a inclusive and prosperous society you know i, yep. I also that you know apart from these four factors there are two very basic driving forces like these are the factors that are you know aggravating the situation but i think so the basic uh, problem lies in the religious tensions and the xenophobic environment that has been created around the vote bank politics which has been highlighted uh, you know uh, especially after the uh, independence phase you know i feel this these are also the driving forces on which the social media and lack of strong laws you know act upon right now coming to the way forward according to me you know uh, i i very strongly believe in this concept of counter speech so counter speech was a concept that was given by uh, jonathan maynard so he has said that you know for every hate speech uh, that that initiate and it seems like a very simple or a stupid concept is that against a very simple hate speech you can start a counter speech that is not a hate speech you know that is a speech that is uh, binding all the religions you know finding examples for example we had this blue wave challenge so countering it was a pink wave challenge you know and it, it was actually very effective tool uh, to reduce those cases and they uh, traumatized so i think so this uh, from my side will be a point number one that you know we need to start this concept of counter uh, speech uh, whenever we hear the instances of hate speech rather than normalizing it and also uh this medias should also become uh, much more sensitive you know it should not go towards this uh, uh this is sensationalization of media you know just uh, having the maximum for the views they should act responsibly nowadays uh, listening to hate speech or instances have become very common you know it was not so common 10 years back now, now that we have accepted it internally ki you know this this is the normal situation and it has only been done because we have heard it so frequently because media is now not highlighting the negative news in a very negative way it's just highlighting the negative news so that makes it uh, that makes uh, the acceptance of negative news very common so i think so from my side these two are the most important things that can be taken up yeah right 
Yeah. So uh, I, I I think uh, the the recent increase in hate speech that that we are noticing uh, and uh, it 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 has been uh, you know coterminous with with the rise of social media as well. So Krishna has rightly uh, mentioned that social media is actually the fuel behind the fire of 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 this hate speech. And uh, you know especially the thing with social media is that once you post a hate message, it it just stays there, and other people who see the hate message also get encouraged and and sort of believe that there are other people like them who who believe in the same things. And, and and there is sort of a bubble effect where uh, the the hate or or the extremeness of the statements keeps becoming more and more extreme and and you know it 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 just uh, fuels the fire further. So uh, there are really two approaches to deal with this if you are looking at the way forward. One is the counter speech way which which Panda has mentioned. So so if there is hate speech on one side, there can be love speech on the other side, and and you can counter it like that. And the other way is is sort of more uh, technological and uh, restrictionary, where uh, you know we can come up with uh, natural language processing. uh technological solutions which can actually uh, stop people from posting hate messages where, where they are likely to get a wide audience so uh, you know uh, uh, whether it is uh, uh, not allowing people who consistently post hate messages to 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 you know further use the platform or or it is uh, you know taking down of of hate messages now of course uh, th- this 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 can count as a restriction of free speech but then again uh, you know uh, when we um, allow uh, unrestricted free speech to go on on a social media platform that's when uh, uh, you know uh, problems like hate speech come up so so there has to be a measured uh, response uh, to this and uh, you know uh, we are already doing all of these uh, restrictions on free speech uh, like in in the constitution itself there are five or six provisions uh, using which the state can itself restrict free speech so i i mean adding hate speech to it, it, it seems like a, a logical thing as well because it is contributing to societal disorder so why have that we can, when you can just nip it in the bud and and uh, you know not allow it to spread so uh, both of those options can be the way forward of course it depends on our policy makers and and sort of what they choose to go forward with Yeah, I also think mm-hmm. so. As you have mentioned, policy makers. I also think so. We need to have a very strong hate speech law, which is presently missing in India. You know, we don't have a uh, definite definition of hate speech, uh, not by any government uh, document or something like that. You know, we are just relying on something that has been set by the law commission or the Supreme Court. Mm-hmm. So first thing is, we also need to have a very strong law. Yes, constitution rightly provides. You know, we have freedom of speech and expression, but we also have uh, reasonable restrictions. so hate speech should be defined because again it, it might become a tool that can be again used you know by other uh, say political parties or anyone uh, as an counter tool so that should be defined and also there should be a very clear distinction between what is abusing and what is dissent right mm-hmm. so i think so this distinction between abusing and dissent uh, should should be made very because dissent is the safety valve of democracy uh, but you know you cannot go on abusing people on the name of dissent so i think so this uh, also should need uh, also should be Uh, done, but again, a very strong law and strong will of policymakers is also required. Right. So uh, we are already uh, three minutes over one hour. So uh, Krishna, uh, like, uh, do you have any final thoughts on this? Yeah. So great pa- points by both of you. I'll just like to add two uh, two of my thoughts. First mm-hmm. is uh, religion or caste or ethnicity. Any of these factors are not the reason behind hate speech. They are only the medium. even if we remove the religion countries everything then also people fight on ronaldo versus messi or sachin versus virat kohli so uh, hate speech exists it has been existing since the past and it will keep on existing even in the future 
there is no there is no denying that because people will uh, like the people of same mentality and have an apprehension against the others what we need to build is a responsible society so one way of doing this can be creating a cryptocurrency shabash coin which can be given to anyone who is countering a person who has posted a hate speech or who can or even to people who are doing counter speech or even people who are speaking good about others just in a very normal casual way like i had a good day i met someone from the uh, foreign world and he was also a good guy things like that so that narratives of uh, uh, marginalization or narratives of uh, you know hate against others is restricted and the social media at present is totally run by xenophobics and uh, what is the term for that uh, living in the mom's garage people kind of you know <laughs> like those people so what needs to be done is to get good people active on social media and it will be only possible when good people are active on social media that will be my final all right awesome so good people should be active on social media and of course all of our followers are uh, really good so i would request all of you to be active and uh, subscribe to our channel comment on what we are saying and uh, you know also share us with all of your friends uh, the, uh, when you do that it helps more people find our content and uh, as always uh, yeah krishna we need, we need more channels like conversations on india exactly exactly that is what i was getting to so in case you are interested in starting a channel do reach out we can help you guys set up a new channel and uh, uh, thank you so much to krishna for showing up once again and uh, contributing his insights and of course uh, panda as always uh, bringing his a game to to the channel so uh, it, it it was great uh, talking to you guys and uh, do check us out on all the platforms and we will come back next week Thank you Krishna. Thank you Vyas. Thank you, you Panda for getting me. All right guys, take care. Bye-bye. Yeah. Bye guys.